Hello and welcome to the Be Kind to Your Mind podcast. I am your host, Rachel Bell, and my guest joining me on today's show is Kyle. My hope for this podcast is that together we will have an honest and real conversation about mental health and wellness and your life experiences. Please know that this is a safe space to share, listen, learn and evolve in our lives and break down the barriers in our minds together. I am not a health professional, but I am a good listener and someone with real lived experience in this area. If you do, however, need someone professional to speak to, please see the show notes for more information and please note that this episode may contain content that could upset certain listeners. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me at bekindtoyourmindpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our Instagram page and see the conversational video over on YouTube on both platforms using the handle Be Kind to Your Mind Podcast. Okay, so on to today's show. My guest, as I said, is Kyle. Kyle is 17 and he hails from the Victorian town of Geelong. Kyle has struggled with depression um, since about the age of eight. He found healing and he now describes himself as thriving in life. He's a motivational speaker um, and he's also doing the VCE currently. So we have a chat to him about what that's like throughout COVID and how things have changed for him over that time. Kyle has a brilliant future ahead of him in the mental health arena and he was an absolute joy to speak with. So without further ado, here's Kyle. Hello Kyle and welcome to the Be Kind to My podcast. How are you? Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. You're having a chat to me today from Geelong. Yeah, yeah, Geelong. Awesome. And I'm up here in not sunny Melbourne. So we're not too far away. It looks like it might be a bit cold there at the moment, is it? Yeah, it's freezing. Oh, I hate this weather. <laughs> it's not too bad here today, but it is definitely, win- winter is definitely settling in, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I was really keen to have a chat to you when you uh, reached out to be on the podcast because you are a mere 17 years old and you've packed a lot into your 17 years already, um, which is really impressive, but also just really cool. You've lived in about four countries, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been around. Yeah. Where have you been? China. So I was born in England. Uh, I moved out in 2006, so when I was three years old. And I ended up coming here to Australia. And then in 2012, I went to China. And then 2016, came back here to Australia. Amazing. Was it sort of unsettling for you, maybe like from um, a mental health perspective? Was it hard shifting around? Did you have friends talk to us about like how it was traveling Uh, for you? It was was, was tough. I think uh, I would say it really affected me, especially moving from Australia to China. Uh, so I would have been eight years old. And that that for me was really tough because I used to struggle with making friends. Yeah. So moving to China to a new place, you know, leaving behind all my best friends. It was quite it was quite scary. Um and then by the end of the four years I'd made all these new best friends and I had to leave them as well to come back here. Oh, yeah, that is hard, isn't it? Did mm. you have any like cultural issues going to China? 
being that your um, heritage is, is from India and then you grew up in London, so you had an English accent and now you're living in China. How did that work out for you? Uh, some of the cultural experiences I had there were just so different. It was almost like a shock with some, you know, some of the cultural differences between here or England and China. But uh, luckily I did go to a British school where most of the students were international. So okay. uh, we we're all, all in the same boat. So that kind of helped. My school in China only had about 200 people, primary and senior school. Whereas my current school uh, has a thousand people in senior school. Wow. So it was, it was a massive change for me getting used to, you know, such a big school, uh, yeah. which was intimidating as well. And so did that start, do you think that's potentially when your mental health started to be a bit challenging for you? I think the transitions were definitely tough for my mental health. I think I had a lot of issues my whole life, um, but the transitions definitely were, you know, pretty tough for me. So currently you are studying VCE and you're doing that from home because of COVID, but you're going back to school on Tuesday. Yeah, I can't wait. How you, uh, so you, I was going to say how you're feeling about that because a lot of people are feeling quite anxious about it, I think. Well, to be honest, it's, it's, it's tough because when I first started doing online learning, uh, I found it hard to find a motivation to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I've always struggled with with school. But uh, I've slowly got into a routine and now we're going back to school. So uh, <laughs> it's a little bit annoying, but um, I just can't wait to be back. You know, I, I feel isolated at home, being away from friends and teachers uh, that I like and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's good. But, uh, I, think, I think that would be the most, wouldn't it? Like missing your mates. And just being oh, yeah. able to see everyone. Mm. So you don't have any anxieties or fears about going back to school with COVID? And... Well, I definitely do. Um, it's going to be weird because back in 2018, when I was going through my uh, like suicidal tendencies and stuff like that, I used to go to the wellbeing club a lot at school. So like the mental health place at school during class. Mm-hmm. And I found it pretty hard after that to get back into a normal routine of being at school 24-7. Or like, you know, uh, six days or five days a week for like six hours a day. So I think it's going to be tough getting back into that routine again for me. Okay. But uh, I take it as a challenge and I love a challenge. So, What's the wellness hub at school? Tell us about that. I've never heard of that. So, so my school has, um, has almost like a well-being hub where uh, it's pretty much just a room with a couple of therapists who have their separate rooms coming off it. And then there's like a... Like you can make your own tea, coffee there. And it's for people who are going through mental health issues um, at my school who can just go there uh, whenever they feel like they need it and talk to a psychologist or the therapist there or just take a break. That's awesome. I mean, it's 25 years since I was at school. I've got to tell you, we had nothing like that. Mm. You could escape to the library, but then you probably would have been called a geek. So... (laughs) you'd find people in the toilets hiding if they needed to get away from something. So that's really, really awesome. I'm so glad that schools are supporting um, mental wellness in that way that you can My school's so good with uh, mental health. Uh, They're just, they're so proactive in that, in that sense. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. Happy to hear that. I'm always up for hearing about ways that the world is making mental health um, adjustments, especially school ages as well, that bet, that much better. So it's really cool. So you touched on lately just then that in 2018, you sort of started with, or you were going through your, um, going through some depression, you had suicidal feelings. 
Can you talk us through that? Like maybe how it started or was there a trigger for it or how, how that all came around for you? So I'd say it was towards the end of 2017 where it started getting uh, a lot worse for me. So for my whole life, I'd say I'd have, I've had intermittent months of just feeling uh, pretty, pretty bad, you know, uh, feeling down quite often, doubting myself. But towards the end of 2017, uh, I went to England to visit my family. And it was just so tough for me. I don't know why, but I just started to struggle more and more. And I think my family kind of picked up on it. But it, it continued into 2018 when I came back to Australia after my holiday. And uh, I think it was about May when I ended up going to my parents and be like, hey, I think I need to go to a doctor. I think I might be depressed. And uh, after that, went to a doctor, got diagnosed with uh, uh, severe depression and started seeing psychologists um, at school because they have a qualified psychologist there. Um, so I just kind of continued from there, just got worse and worse. Um, eventually led to suicidal thoughts, I'd say in June, um, where I was actually contemplating uh, ending my own life. So I ended up going back, I ended up being admitted into the hospital. I think it was twice. Uh, and then I ended up, it, it, the suicidal thoughts got worse one time when I got out of hospital. Um, so I ended up uh, actually attempting to take my own life, which was uh, a traumatic experience. But uh, after that, I got admitted again. And that time when I was admitted was when I kind of started working on myself because I kind of realized I had that light bulb moment in my life where I was like, I need to start, you know, I need to start getting better because it's up to me. So I just want to ask a couple of questions about all of that. Um, thank you for sharing. That was really awesome. Your parents, when you went to them and said, I think I'm, I need to see a doctor, I'm, I'm depressed. How did, how did they cope with that? Because I imagine there's a lot of fear around that for someone going and speaking to their parents about their mental wellness. Oh, it was, it was the, probably one of the toughest things I've ever done. I'd mm -hmm. say the second hardest thing I've ever done in my life, uh, going to my parents. is it, It's really nerve-wracking. Um, do you have any so advice for those out, those you know kids adults everyone out there that don't know how to approach their loved one about it in hindsight I, I, I had to say I know how hard it is there's nothing that's going to make it easier you just have to do it it's the best thing um, you'll ever do whether it's family or like a trusted teacher or someone that you know an adult you can trust in your life uh, telling someone helps you so so much long term uh, it's worth the, how hard it is to do it good better than keeping it to yourself and oh definitely trying to self fix it sometimes you just need to share yeah mm. good and then so you went into hospital a couple of times um tell us about the times that you're in hospital i remember being at my psychologist um and actually admitting that i felt suicidal to them and I remember they asked me if I had any plans and I wouldn't say anything so they said look you're gonna have to go to the hospital um so I went to Royal Children's Hospital uh the the adolescent ward Banksia and I remember walking in for the first time just being so intimidated because in some sense it's almost completely like you see in the movies where it's like you know people are shouting uh 
it's just a really intimidating place. But uh, I ended up making a couple friends in there, which was, you know, I'm, I'm happy for, I'm grateful for. Uh, How old were you then? 15? Yeah, 15. Yeah, wow. Uh, but it was, it was a weird place because it felt like when you were in there, you had nothing to do, especially as I was in there during holidays for my first time, for my first admission. So we literally did nothing. So I just sit on the couch and just stare at the wall all day and just watch the clock go by. So when I was in there, I was just really bored and wanted to get out. But I found that once I got out, I wanted to be back in because it was like my one safe haven where I knew mm. I was away from all the suicidal thoughts. Okay. So while you were in there, did you have any kind of therapy sessions or um, group sessions or anything like that that you were, got involved with? So we did see a psychiatrist. Uh, I saw a psychiatrist every two weeks, I believe it was. And I'd see the psychiatrist if I wanted to get out um, after the uh, two weeks that they'd, I think it was three weeks that they said I need to be in there for, talk to psychiatrist, and then they'd decide if I can go out or not. Um, but apart from that, yeah, you, you, there were psychologists and therapists there that you could talk to every couple of days. The nurses would come to you and talk to you every day, uh, quite often. So they'd just check in on how you're doing, have just normal conversations with you. And there were always group things going on uh, every couple of days. Uh, like some mornings we'd get up and have a group conversation for 20 minutes about how we're all doing and uh, how we feel like we can improve and things like that. Well, that's helpful. Did they, um, did they medicate you while you were in there? Was that a large portion of why you were there to try different medications to help your mood? Yeah. Um, I did try quite a few medications. I think I tried some before I went into hospital as well. But once I first got admitted to hospital, they ended up changing my medication and making it stronger. Okay. Uh, and you were comfortable that, with all of that? Yeah, I, I was happy to try it because I just wanted something to, you know, help me out. But uh, over time, I actually found for me that medication wasn't helpful. And that's not for everyone. Uh, I always recommend mm. trying medication because it takes time to find one that works for you. But for me, I felt like it just made me feel so just blur to so nothing not good not bad mm. and for me that's more depressing than feeling bad so uh and that's just a personal thing i still recommend everyone tries you know try and find the right medication for you it is a really uh, big often. subject for sure because i started taking medication only a year ago um up until that point i had so many i mean this was before i even started learning about um mental health and the fact that <laughs> you know, that I could actually learn about more than what I already knew. Like I sort of just had so many judgments around psychology and medication. And um, and it's part of one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast now, because I feel like there's a lot of people like me out there that just think, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need medication. I don't need to talk to anyone. Um, but then your life is just so chaotic. There's something has to give and it comes to a point where it's not other people. It has to be you. That's kind of what led me into it. But um, I never thought that medication would be a good thing. I had friends who were on antidepressants and they were just, I used to call them plastic. It was like, oh, they're on the plastic pills because like you said, your experience where you're just like nothing. There's mm -hmm. no emotion. There's no sadness. There's no happiness. It's just blah. And I just thought, oh, I don't want to live life like that. Like that's just not for me. That can't be what life is all about. Um, but I've got to say, 
And like you just said, it's a personal experience for everyone. Everyone will find medication so different and different types of medication different. But I was lucky. The second one I tried, nailed it. And, you know, now I'm getting to that point where I'm realizing that you have to change it up. And that's one thing I never, I thought I'd find the medication and then that'd be it. <laughs> for the rest of my life, I'd just be like, yep, that's the one that's going to help me. No. Uh, so, you know, obviously your body gets used to medications and you need to either change the dose or, you know, I've even found moving between um, the generic brand and the named brand is good enough to sort of alter the chemical balance a little bit to sort of get you back on track as well, which is a weird thing. But that, again, that's just what worked for me. Um, but yeah, everyone's journey with medication and therapy and stuff like that's a bit different. But so you spoke about, so back when you're in the hospital, um, you talked about how you'd have like um, a really good communication and, you know, relationship with the, the nurse, the nurse and st staff there. Can you talk to us a little bit about like, how they helped you and what um, what their purpose was in the support for you while you're in there. Look, I think there are different types of nurses um, that were in there. Some were strictly uh, follow the rules and they'd come to you and ask how you're doing. But for me, I didn't really feel comfortable opening up to them as much. Okay. But look, they, they all the nurses in there were just amazing. Uh, they were all they, You can just tell they care so much about helping people, and uh, for me, that's it made me feel more comfortable just being around them and being okay, being sad. Uh, I never really opened up that much to any of the nurses because I struggled with that. So I'd often lie about how I was feeling um, like a lot of, you know, patients do in there. Uh, but uh, it was after I'd tried to attempt my, to attempt to take my own life. So I think it might've been the second or third admission. I was sitting in my room. I remember being really mad because I'd been told I would be able to get out of the hospital that night because what happened was often they give you night leave, which is means that you get to go home uh, for a couple nights in mm -hmm. a row and then you go back to the hospital and they see how you're going. And if they think you've done well, they'll just let you out again. Okay. So I'd had my couple nights out and the psychiatrist had told me, look, you're doing great. So straight after just come back, fill out the paperwork and you'll be straight out. So I was under the impression that I'd be straight out again. But when I got back to a hospital, um, I got told I was staying in there. Oh. And for me, for me, that was the thing of like, well, I've actually felt past, like good in the past couple of days. I've done nothing wrong. So yeah. like I, I got a little bit, a little bit angry. Um, I ended up throwing a cup of water against a glass window there, which if anyone's in the hospital, I would recommend you don't do that <laughs> because I ended up getting the security guards called on me. Oh, no. Um, so I got put into this isolation room in the psychiatric ward um. uh, by myself. But it was the day after that. So I stayed there overnight. It was just a mattress on the floor. Oh, uh, gosh. To, yeah, to make sure I wouldn't do anything to myself. So I was considered a threat at that point. Uh, but the day after I got let out back into a normal uh, ward. And I remember sitting in my room, looking through this really thick glass, like probably this thick. Mm -hmm. um, looking out into this garden uh, outside of a hospital, just being so mad at the world, just thinking, why is everyone so against me? Like, why is it me against the world? I was really mad. I want to give up. Now I remember this nurse walked into my room and he was like, am I allowed to swear? I can <laughs> stay away. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> so so this, nurse, this nurse looked at me. He was like, Kyle, 
no one is against you. It's not you against the world. And you have to pick up your shit and realize that. I kind of looked at him. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, can you get out of my room? And he was, he was like, do you haven't said this out loud? This nurse had just walked in and like felt your energy or something. And wow. So actually just pick, was it a male nurse? I was about to say, yeah. So he just picked up on your energy straight away. It was just, he knew what you were thinking. Yeah. Straight away. Uh, The nurses in there are incredible. The ability they have to just, you know, know how people are feeling is pretty amazing. um, I, I found. So he kind of just told me like, he was like, look, it's up to you. You can continue being what you're being and you can continue being upset. But do you really want to do that? Do you want to really want to throw away your life like that? And I kind of looked at him like, who is this guy telling me what to do? But I kind of thought about it. So I didn't really say anything to him, but he left a couple pieces of paper in my room. Um, and he told me it was to, it was breathing techniques. And he told me I should get into meditation to see if it helped. And he's kind of just told me, look, it's up to you you're the only person that can help you. So if you want to do it, here you go. If not, just continue being the way you're being. So that's actually the start of where I started meditating um, from this nurse who gave me breathing techniques. And I still have the papers around in my room. I can actually see them. Right down there, the papers that he gave me. That's awesome. I love that story. So that was your light bulb moment. Yeah. Yeah, that was the moment I realized, because it's always been told to me. Um, That was the moment I realized no one can help you until you're ready to help yourself. And that was the moment where I was just like, you know, what? fuck it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and get myself out of this. hundred percent agree with you there. There is, you could give so much advice to someone and it will just fall flat unless you, unless that person actually wants to help themselves. Exactly. It's very cliche, but I think it's very true. Um, you know, you can't do anything until you're ready to, to, to make that mm. change internally. No to, one can do it for to. you. You have to be willing to really put in the effort to uh, help yourself because it is tough and it does take a lot of trial and error. Yeah. But uh, once you really find, I guess, that, that will to think, I don't want to be in this anymore, you can do anything. You can really get out of it. It takes time. It takes a lot of effort, but it is possible. Yeah, that's awesome. So when you started to then, you were doing um, meditation and breathing exercises what what next for you with with all of that? You obviously caught a bug for meditation. What what did you turn to? Where did you what did you start seeking out to help? So with meditation, I started with just breathing techniques. You know the box method of breathing in for holding for four, uh, breathing out for four, holding for four, mm-hmm. and it kind of went from there. And uh, I think it was one of my family members who recommended an app called Headspace, which was probably one of the best things I ever found. Um, headspace helped me loads because with headspace uh there's a narrator for a lot of the meditations not all of them but uh, for a lot of them and he gives you he actually teaches you how to meditate so i think there's a lot of misconceptions with meditation and i think a lot of people just when they first start meditating they try and think of nothing in their mind Mm -hmm. uh which you know if you're trying to think of nothing you're going to think of something yeah (laughs) but um Headspace but, uh, is actually amazing and I'll pop a, oh, yeah. a link in the show notes for those of you who haven't heard of it um, because a, a, a lot of people do um, mention it when you talk about mental health. Um, it's a really great place to start. It is one that you do have to pay for. I think you can get free trials. And look, there are a lot of other apps that are available that um, are free, but Headspace is just that little bit better and different. Um, and 
I definitely recommend getting it for sure. There's another one called San Bello, which is S A N V E L L O, which is also amazing. For that, you can use for free. Um, you can pay for it, but the free features are amazing as well. Awesome. Um, so you can do daily check ins, it sends you a message notification asking how you are, you fill it in. And it's also got loads of meditations on there. So if you want something else, that's a really good one as well. There is so many of them out there. Yeah, for, mm. for sure. And I think um, if you're a beginner at meditation, my advice is to do guided, guided meditation always, because um, like you just said, Kyle, uh, <laughs> empty your mind is usually like one of the first instructions on a meditation and you just can't. So, um, mm. and another really good tip is just go back to the breath or, um, you know, concentrate on your breathing because your breathing is always a constant that will never oh, yeah. stop. <laughs> You'll never stop breathing. I, I would even say with, you know, trying to think of nothing or if you're focusing on your breathing and you kind of forget about it and, you know, your mind wanders, when you do realize that your mind has wandered, don't try and instantly push back to thinking of nothing and thinking of your breathing. Just allow the thought to pass. Just let it go by itself and then continue with your breathing. Um, and just think about that. So it's, it's more that's about really just letting tip. it go. Yeah, that's mm. a really good tip. I often, I'm the one who tries to go, stop thinking about that because, you know, mind will drift to things that I have to do tomorrow or, and I'll be like, no, come back. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that. Um, because sometimes I think through meditation, you are meant to go to places as well, like as in you are, mm -hmm. your thoughts are meant to direct you in a certain way. Um, it, it might trigger you to think of something that you'd forgotten or um, yeah. So it is, it is important to sort of listen to where your mind or listen to where your mind goes or just see where your mind goes. Maybe is the right thing yeah. to say. So what else did you do? So you got headspace. Did you reach out for classes or did you seek out anyone to talk to about meditation? So I, uh, struggled just like with uh, medication. My personal experience with psychologists and therapists was not too good. I, I didn't really like the professional feeling of it. And again, that's just a personal uh, preference. So uh, still, I would recommend it to everyone. And you have to find, again, the right therapist, the right psychologist for you. But for me, it just wasn't uh, what I was looking for. But my family, my parents actually found uh, this guy who's really into spirituality and uh, he has this crystal shop. So I, I think it was my dad who walked in there asking for help, um, for how to help me. And uh, this guy called Reese, who, you know, runs it with his wife, he offered to, you know, talk to me and he's been my mentor since. Um, I talked to him a couple months after that for the first time. Uh, he's good with meditation as well. And for me, he's just been, you know, someone who's helped me grow so much. Um, have you lent into things like crystals and alternative? Yeah. I mean, for yeah. me, myself, I, I, I have a singing bowl that I love because it's so good for deep meditation. It's a, a nice size one, so it gives a nice deep um, a nice deep sound, which I love. So, yeah, what, well, share with us what other sorts of things you, you use. So, well, I was a very logical person um, when I first started talking to Reese. I, you know, I was very much along the lines of, you know, spirituality, I don't like it. I don't like crystals. But um, he really opened my mind up. And now I, I actually have some crystals on my desk. You can't see them, but they're in that corner over there. Um, so awesome. I'm, I'm really open to that kind of stuff now. And I, I, I love spirituality, personal development, that kind of stuff. So at the moment, like we talked about, you're doing the BCE. 
and you're going back to school on Tuesday and that's all very exciting and a little bit nerve wracking, but you have this like greater, uh, all these alter ego where you go out and do motivational speaking. Talk to us about that. How on earth did that get started for someone as young as you? So it started with uh, Instagram live streams, which I still do sometimes. And I, I just loved, used, I used to just love hopping on there and I would put myself on the spot. So when I joined, I would have no idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> and I would try and find something to talk about that would help people. So whenever I do it, I put myself on the spot. I try and come up with a new concept. So sometimes it's about how to fight your thoughts. Sometimes it's about how to be, you know, okay, content in good and bad moments. It's just something I come up with on the spot and then I'll, you know, do a live stream. But from there, I realized I actually really like talking out loud and kind of putting myself on the spot and, you know, helping people like in front of a small crowd. Although um, it used to only be four or five people that used to watch it. Now I get quite a few more. Um, but from there, I, I, I just realized that motivational talking is what I kind of want to do on the side because I just love talking to people. So it started with uh, Humans in Geelong, which is a group um, which pretty much just says stories about you know, people around Geelong and they reached out to do an article about me. And from there, um, I, I ended up joining their team and they do expos and, you know, other talks around Geelong. So I had a, they had a talk at Geelong library, uh, which was set up and I was going to do a talk there. Um, got canceled because of coronavirus, but I had another one, um, at the end of the year. I think it's really cool because I'm just myself in them. So I don't pretend to uh, be super professional or anything like that. I'm just myself. I have a laugh while I'm doing it. You know, I make mistakes. I, you know, make jokes. I think people can connect to that. Just me being myself. And that's really being, I think, gen a genuine person, um, not trying to be showy or having that ego, um, you know, so being able to control um, all of that and still give a really important message to help people. Um, and for you to have an understanding of that at your age, I think is, is really, really lovely. Um, I feel like your parents would be so proud of you. <laughs> of everything so. that you've achieved and where you've come from and the trials and, and, and now, you know, you're, you're doing motivational speaking. And I know that it's something that in the future you really want to continue to do and hopefully will be able to do to, you know, quite large platforms of people. And I really wish you all the best with that. But there's Thank another you. interesting side to you that you've shared with me, and that is um, you'd like to actually work in, in the mental health arena, in, in, in the carer role. Talk to us about that. What's your, I mean, I guess that's kind of like once you've done um, the VCE, what's next for Kyle? So I, I have three main ambitions around mental health. One is to do talks. Uh, one of them is to do one-on-one -on -one uh, personal development sessions, which I already do. So a uh, little bit of a shout out for myself here. Yeah. Um, and we sh you know what, we'll pause on that because I want to share with everyone how they can get in touch with you as well, actually. So you are doing one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions and, you know, like, I think that's a really great idea, if, especially for uh, younger kids that might feel more comfortable coming with someone that's closer to their age. So if you're like, you know, 12, 13 and you feel like Cole, you know, is, is the kind of guy that you'd want to have a chat with because he might understand you a little bit better than, 
um, a professional psychologist. Um, you know, obviously you're not a professional, so we do want to be mindful that it is just, you know, a coaching session. Um, but they can reach out to you. Uh, your Instagram handle is beneficial underscore mindsets. So that's beneficial yep. underscore mindsets. And I'll pop that in show notes as well. But yeah, so, yep. So you're doing one-on-ones and. Yeah. And I'd say my last goal is to really uh, be a psychiatric nurse, like the nurse that helped me because he inspired me. Like I want to be like him. I want to, you know, be that person who can help people and make them realize that it's up to them to help themselves. Oh, so that's really my last goal. That is so amazing. And I just think like, uh, <laughs> what better way to give back as well and how I hope that you can get in touch with that nurse at some point because he, he was, Oh, you have uh, not directly, but I actually yeah. went back to the, uh, back to a psychiatric ward last year uh-huh. and I gave all the nurses a note um, directed towards all of them to say, thank you. And then I actually had a note especially for him and he wasn't working that day, but I did give it to them and they did give it to him of me just saying, thank you for everything he's done. Oh, so uh, I hope he did receive that. Um, I'm sure he did. Because he, he really did change my life and I need to show my, uh, show my appreciation. And as a, a healthcare worker, there would be no greater reward than to know that a conversation that he had with you that day was just such a, a moment in time for you that just you pivoted and changed everything. And now you want to be as helpful as what he was for you for yeah. others. I think, I think it's tough for uh, nurses because a lot of them, they don't really find out what happens to people in this psychiatric ward. Uh, you know, so a lot of people don't ever come back like me and they don't know whether they've, you know, um, ended up passing away or are doing well in life. So I think a lot of the time they have that kind of worry. So I, th- I feel like, you know, sending a message back to them. Um, and I do call them sometimes as well. I do call the office and say, hey, um, thank you for everything you do. I, I think it's just nice for him to have that reminder that, you know, some people are out there, you know, doing well because of them. That is so wonderful. And, you know, like maybe even you'd be able to do motivational speaking, um, you know, in, in hospital as well for people who were in the, who are in the same position that you were in as well. Cause I think it always means a lot more when someone's been through something um, to yeah. get a, oh, yeah. to listen to what they have to say. So Oh, Kyle, it's been an absolute, an absolute joy having a chat with you. I, um, I think you're an amazing young man and I really, really look forward to following your journey as you uh, go on in life, finish the VCE, start studying. And yeah. um, I, know, I know for sure that you will come back and have a chat with us here on the podcast again. Um, oh, we'll have to. Yeah, yeah, for sure, because we, we love it. You've got a lot of good advice. Um, that you know you're you're also willing to share which is um i'm really grateful for too so thank you so so much again for joining us and um all the best with everything and you know i know i'll talk to you really soon thank you for having me oh this has been great you're welcome take care you too so coming up next i'm gonna have a chat with my partner whose name is gareth um and each and every episode you'll get a little five ten minute chat with Gareth mainly because he is a guy that is full of so much information when it comes to mental health he has had over 20 25 years experience in the mental health uh, arena 
uh, as a patient and he and I often talk about different things that are going on in his life like medication, going to hospitals, psychologists, brain chemistry. Um, they're often funny and uh, they're always very interesting and I've learned so much from him so I wanted to share little pieces of his wisdom with you as well. So today's one we get to chatting about COVID-19 and the effects that it is having on people with a mental illness. So this is what it sounded like. Hello darling. Hello. Nice to be back. It's lovely to have you as always. Yes. Because as I mentioned quite often, it's through meeting you and, and, and our relationship that I've learned probably the most of what I know about mental health and grew to accept it more than what I, I already did. So through these little chats that I want to attach to these podcasts, I'm hoping to share that wisdom that you have shared with me in the last few years with all of our listeners. <laughs> that wisdom. Yeah. That wisdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you do have it. You've got a lot of a lot of I, knowledge because of your. I mean, you might want to. I have a lived experience. Exactly, and yes. you might want to explain a little bit about that. But I know we will have a, a full chat one day where we talk about uh, your whole journey with. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that word, but your whole story of your mental health. But um, you know, it's a little bit of a backstory. It's been twenty plus years for you, so yeah. your lived experience isn't just mild. It's quite extensive, and uh, no, that's true covers a broad cross-section of different mental illnesses and stuff too so but today you sort of said to me that you wanted to have a bit of a natter about COVID-19 well, and mental yeah, health yeah, just and the past couple of months you know it, it's been I think the toll that this will be taking on people with mental illness and people that are already maybe isolated mm. Or maybe they're suffering from from not, you know, having a lot of people to lean on already. Mm. And then you have a thing like this and uh, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people suffering more than usual and what is necessary. And I think um, it would be nice to see the government do a little bit more around supporting people with mental illnesses through this time. Mm -hmm. um, Is it true enough to say that um, while a lot of people who don't have mental health issues find this really polarising, having to be inside, and yet for those people who actually suffer mental illness in a, in a moderate to severe manner, actually this is their everyday life? nothing's changed for them yeah that's that's probably true too there would be a segment of people where where life maybe even has become a bit easier because they don't have to deal with people they don't have to deal with their services and their social mm. supports and maybe they enjoy that i don't know but yeah. i think from my perspective um it's been isolating and it's been tough. It hasn't been easy. And how have you coped with that? What strategies have you put in place? I've just had my ear to my phone pretty much 12 hours a day. That, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much... So keeping in contact with your loved yeah, ones and your friends yeah. via the phone. Yeah, just, yeah. just talking, 
doing a lot of talking and communicating. I think um, communication is important for me and my relationships with my friends and family are important to me and not being able to see people has been, yeah, quite hard. So we could like share our experiences um, once the, the first phase lifted last week we decided to take the trip to visit your mum who lives outside of Melbourne. We hadn't seen her since March or maybe even the end of February. Mm, mm. Um, and it's now almost the beginning of June. So it was a really long time not to see your mum. Um, for me as well, like I adore your mum. So we took a trip that to was, visit her and it was, um, you know, all three of us weren't great that day mentally. We were all having no, a bit of a struggle, but we it were. was still brilliant wasn't it yeah it was really 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 nice to see her yeah definitely so it's easing a little bit now and today it's been announced that they're gonna do a little bit more restrictions as of tomorrow which is good so if you're gonna loosen some restrictions yeah and i guess one of the key things to remember in all of that as well is don't go crazy don't go out there and start going to all the places because there is still you know, numbers that are being recorded in Victoria. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and not to harp on it, but to touch back on what I just said a second ago, a lot of things, this won't mean anything to a lot of people. They're still going to be staying at home. Um, they're still going to be going mm. through that feeling of isolation, mm. that great, the great equality that happened through all of this, where everyone got to feel what it was like a little bit. It is a bit of an equaliser, yeah. yeah. I, I think, um, you know... There, there would be some people more affected than others. I know that my my mother's a very social person mm. and not being able to socialise for her has been really tough and has complicated her own um, mental state. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely I noticed a decline in her. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm now happy that she can visit a friend or yeah have someone over or continue with her baking for a church group or whatever hmm. she you know all of these little things that the, help yeah, her yeah all the nice things so in wrapping up today's little short convo mm-hmm. how about you give you know your best one two three however many you want to do tips to those people who isolation is their normal life to maybe give a try to help them get out a little bit more to help their mental health, what what's some advice you'd you'd give? Look, I think it's a it's a you take a multi disciplinary approach. You, you know, you, you need a team. You hopefully have a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a social worker, friends and family. You know, if you have these things in place, it can it can it can help so reach out to them at the moment yeah get them if involved you, if with getting you out of the house you, or... if you can yeah if you can i mean i mean for some people small steps though right yeah for yeah. some people that's not even what they want to be doing right now but i think um you know through coming together uh and collaborating a lot of problems can be eased mm-hmm. maybe not solved yeah. But things can get better. Things do get better. Um, and with the right professional help, 
there is hope for everybody, I believe. I love that. I believe that. Thank you, darling. As always, I love these little chats about mindfulness and, and mental health and I look forward to having our next chat next week. Me too. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to be on the show, please email me or go to the link on the Instagram page and fill out the form in the uh, link in bio for guest application. I want to thank you all for listening. I hope you were able to gain some insight and to feel a little bit more comfortable with your barriers, um, you know, as we aim to normalize mental health in our world. Massive thank you to our guest Kyle today for sharing his story and, um, you know, his views on, on, on mental health and how we can evolve through those with the support of people around us. If you like the show today, please give me a five-star rating on iTunes so that we can spread the word further and tell your friends and family about the podcast. The more people who hear our stories, the more equality we can gain. And, um, you know, I, I would love nothing more than to think that this little podcast has uh, helped people feel more comfortable about sharing their mental health stories. If you're struggling today, I see you. Keep going. Tomorrow is a new day. But until then, my friends, take care and don't forget to be kind to your mind.